This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. It was a dark and stormy night. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. It is not fit for man or beast out there. So come on in. Out of the rain, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. I mean that. Uh, Open lines. Open lines for the entire hour. Uh, Climatologist Dr. Timothy Ball was to to join us this evening to discuss climate change. Uh, This on the eve of what could be, uh, what could see the United States pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord, which is huge news. And I know uh, Dr. Timothy Ball is clicking his heels over that one, but he's under the weather. He is not feeling uh, very well, suddenly taken ill, and we wish uh, Dr. Ball a speedy recovery, good friend of the program, and uh, we'll get him back on the show soon. So, uh, that means open lines, you, me, and the telephone for the whole hour. Uh, What's in the box? Our weekly remote viewing experiment is just moments away. And again, if you want to participate, you must tweet. You must tweet your guests Use the uh, the Twitter feed at Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett, and use the hashtag TCS Remote, TCS as in The Conspiracy Show, Remote. And uh, I can't accept answers uh, via email or uh, from the YouTube, the live chat room. Sorry about that. I just, it just it means I have to check in so many different places, and I simply I, I don't have time. So if I, if I get you to tweet... At Richard Serrett, use the hashtag TCS Remote. They're all in one place. It makes it so much uh, easier for me. Uh, second hour of tonight's transmission. Rem- uh, paranormal researcher, investigator Joshua P. Warren will be with us. This guy is cutting edge. One of the finest uh, young paranormal investigator researchers out there. And uh, he's a truly fascinating fellow. And we just spoke off uh, air before showtime. It turns out he is situated... Geographic, geographically, in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. He's, he's down there in Puerto Rico. There's a big uh, Bermuda Triangle conference coming up, and we'll talk about that. How fitting for a paranormal investigator, researcher, 
uh, to live uh, part of the year, right da- uh, smack dab in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, and uh, we'll ta- talk a little bit about that with uh, Joshua, as well as he's really uh, excited these days about something called parasymatics, which has something to do with uh, the law of attraction. We'll get into that, and we'll talk about some of his other remote viewing, or remote viewing, uh, paranormal. <laughs> I've got what's in the box in the brain. Maybe my, bo- my, maybe my brain is in the box. You don't know. Um, Joshua has uh, conducted a number of interesting paranormal experiments in his lab down in uh, Asheville uh, recently, and we'll talk about those as well, Some of, one of which went sort of frighteningly awry. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll get to Joshua in the second hour. Again, open lines this hour. Let me give you those numbers right now because they're kind of handy when you're doing a phone-in show. In the greater Toronto area, 416 360-0740-416-360-0740 and toll free from just about anywhere 1-866-740-4740 1-866-740-4740 All right, what's in the box? Uh, your chance to utilize your remote viewing skills and win some fabulous Conspiracy Show merchandise from The Conspiracy Show. You can visit the online store at theconspiracyshow.com. Now, dear listener, focus your attention. Focus your attention to the cigar box to my left on my studio desk here at Zoomerplex, 70 Jefferson Avenue in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Focus. Focus. You now have the coordinates. Close your eyes. Breathe deeply. Now, this is important. You've got to allow the shape, the texture, the color. Allow the image to form in your mind. If it helps, jot down some words, phrases, sketch. Sketch something if that helps. And uh, again, send me your response. At Richard Serrett via the Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T, use the hashtag TCS Remote, and we'll do the reveal at the bottom of the hour. Let me introduce the boys in the band on the Gibson Flying V guitar, Ian Robertson, our technical producer. Ian, hello, and what's in the box, my fine rockabilly friend? Uh, we're doing this now? Uh... <laughs> Sorry to catch you on the, uh, on the fly uh, there. Um, I'm seeing something... Edible, but I'm also kind of hungry, so. <laughs> all right, all right. Something edible. Well, that's pretty. That's a pretty broad uh, spectrum. However, we'll go with that. And uh, here in studio on the Rickenbacker bass guitar, occasionally the theremin, our uh, remote viewer in training, the mysterious, the shy, the intrepid Albert Vinzel. Albert, what's in the box? Um. I'm going to guess a spoon. I'm oh. going to guess a spoon or a fork, but I also got a yellow pineapple for some reason. I'm not sure why. A yellow pineapple as opposed to those GMO purple pineapples I've been reading about so much. All right. And uh, our um, our producer of uh, my weekly radio feature Strange Planet Ryan White on the Hammond B3 organ. What's in the box, Ryan? Oh, it's so rainy. I'm picturing something that can absorb water. Like maybe a sponge or a loofah or the end of a mop, something porous. Interesting. All right. Always so specific in detail, Ryan is. All right, we will do the uh, reveal at the bottom of the hour. 
All right. Uh, there's so much to talk about. And, um, of course, there's never any scarcity uh, of uh, topics coming out of Washington, D.C. Uh, top of mind remains uh, a potential showdown between the United States and North Korea. Uh, can we fire off that clip, uh, Ian? Here's, a Ryan, uh, here's a President Trump on uh, North Korea. Chance that we could end up having a major, major conflict with North Korea. Absolutely. But Trump issuing a stern warning to North Korean leader Kim Jong-un that any move against South Korea would come at a punishing price. Is he willing to destroy his country and is he willing to destroy millions and millions of lives and people? All right, there you have it. You know what's interesting about um, uh, North Korea? I, I don't know if you've heard this recently, but a number of military experts have gone on record as saying that they think a lot of the – recently, of course, North, North Korea had that big uh, parade, kind of a show of bluster. They had all of their, their missiles and all their soldiers marching and uh, had all their weapons. You know, but that's mainly for the North Koreans. Not in, it's not intended for um, sort of public consumption outside the country because what happens is the military experts sort of focus in on those, those rifles that the soldiers are carrying and those – those uh, very ominous, threatening-looking ballistic missiles, and they've concluded that a lot of that stuff is just fake. It doesn't work. It reminds me of um, uh, England during the Second World War. They, uh, they weren't quite ready for the war. I don't know if you ever remember a sitcom called Dad's Army. In fact, I think they play it on uh, – or used to play it on, on Vision TV and uh, our, um, our TV station here at Zoomer. And my dad, who, who was in the Second World War, used to tell me these stories as well, that on the home front, of course, there were German spies everywhere and uh, the Germans were looking across the channel and flying overhead trying to figure out, you know, how formidable a foe are the Brits. Well, they weren't prepared. And so, of course, they would have uh, these old uh, – some of them were World War I vets. You know, th that's where this dad's army comes from. They were on the home front, right? And they would be marching, but they had no, they had no rifles. They'd be marching with wooden rifles. Or they would create these, these convoys of, um, of army vehicles, uh, but they didn't have enough of them to look formidable. So what they would do is they might run, you know, 15 or 20 of them down the street, and then they'd go around a corner, and they would change the license plates, and they would just keep them coming around and around they'd go. It was all bluster. Same with North Korea. Uh, however, we know that they are working on, uh, on uh, deploying a, a nuclear bomb. Now they just need a delivery system. But most of their recent uh, their missile tests have failed miserably, and that's no accident, believe me. Uh, the United States is employing some sort of software sabot sabotage or, or something. That, that's going on. I, I'm convinced of that. The other thing that's interesting about Trump being in the news, as uh, we approach... Later on in May, towards the end of May, it will be John F. Kennedy's 100th birthday. Can you believe it? JFK would have been 100. Um, I believe the actual date is something like May 29th or something, isn't it, Albert? Uh, and uh, we have um, JFK assassination researcher James DiEugenio uh, coming on to commemorate the 100th anniversary. When is that? Um, uh, the week before, May 21st. But yeah, you're right, May 29th is his birthday. Right, and so James will be on uh, May 21st. Right. Uh, but... but um, now, uh, tr Trump may, in fact, uh, be about to release um, some JFK files. 
And uh, it's, he's got to decide apparently within months because there's this new timeline that's being offered by the National Archives. Under the deadline set by a 1992 law, President Trump has six months left to decide whether he will block the release of an estimated 3,600 files related to the assassination that are still under seal at the archives. And from what, from what is known of uh, the JFK documents, most come from the CIA and FBI. A number may help resolve lingering questions about whether those agencies missed evidence of a conspiracy in Kennedy's death. They didn't miss it. They simply <laughs> shoved it under the rug. Uh, as with every earlier release of JFK assassination uh, documents in the, um, wow, 54 years coming up since uh, shots rang out in Dealey Plaza in Dallas, it's uh, virtually certain that some of the files will be seized upon uh, to support um, this, this theory or that about uh, Kennedy's murder. So uh, President Trump may allow the public to see a trove of thousands of long secret government files about the event that uh, really more than any event in U.S. history has fueled conspiracy theories. That's the 1963 assassination of President John F. Kennedy. And Trump, by all accounts, is um, very interested in a lot of conspiracy theories. Uh, that, according to um, his longtime friend, advisor, and political operative Roger Stone. So that's uh, interesting. We'll keep an eye on that one. But again, James D. Eugenio will be uh, joining us in a couple of weeks to talk about the 100th anniversary. All right, so we've got What's in the Box, the reveal coming up at the bottom of the hour. Again, use the hashtag TCSRemote, but you must use the Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. We'll get to your phone calls as well. Open lines, 416-360-0740. Toll free from out of town, 1-866-740-4740. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416 416- 360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. And welcome back. Open lines for the hour. I just want to say hello to uh, those of you in the uh, the live chat. You're always uh, so loyal, so faithful, so supportive. Um, I'm, I'm mispronouncing this, but I'm going to say, is it Weiwei or YY and Warren and You Betcha and American Zero? Don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, Gord Oland and Dan Smith and Warren RCG and uh, all of you. Uh, it's always good to have you in the live chat. Uh, incidentally, the YouTube channel, we're streaming live, and I encourage you to uh, subscribe. What are we up to now, uh, Ryan? It's around 4,600. 4, yeah. All right. Well, the slow march to 10,000. It's 4,651 subscribers. So just go to YouTube and uh, the, the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And hit the subscribe button, please. We have a modest goal of 10,000 subs sometime in uh, 2017. And just a reminder, next week we're going to launch a new format, at least on the radio, uh, we'll have uh, more guests, shorter segments, and every week, open lines for the first half hour in the second hour. And we'll have some panel discussions and regular contributors and so forth. Very excited about it, and uh, we've been working real hard on it. 
And uh, in the coming weeks, we're going to hopefully up, up the, uh, the production value on the YouTube channel as well. All right, let's begin tonight's open lines with uh, Helena in Hamilton. Is it Helena uh, or Helena? It's Helena. Helena. Well, yes. welcome. I'm wondering about deja vu. I experience it all the time. It frightens the hell out of me because um, I'm wondering. It originated in France. It originated in Paris, France. And the name deja vu came from Paris. Came from the French. Right. It is deja a French word. Well, you know, I might have in. I may have. I can probably count um, on two hands, maybe the the number of times I've had a startling deja vu experience. But you have mm-hmm. them almost daily. Mm. Well, give me an example of something that happened recently, Helena. Well, I can't really give an example, but sometimes it's very frightening. So do you believe that that's an um, indication we, that you've lived before, that it's a past life? More than one life. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about that. Deja vu means that we, we've, we've lived another life. We've lived in, another, in the past. Well, possibly. I mean, I, I, I identify myself with a cat family. They say cat has nine lives. Right. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. It's a saying told by adults to children. Right, right. Now, why do adults always lie to their children? Why do they always lie? Why do adults always lie? I don't know that they always lie. My Sometimes, well, did, did My they? lied to me. What did, they, what did they lie to you about? They said that I couldn't. Uh, they said that, um, they said that uh, I'd never reached the top of a tree. The tree of knowledge in the Genesis. I never oh. reach the top of the tree. I always be at the bottom. At the, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm, you know what? That, that breaks my heart when I hear about... blind, deaf, and dumb. Right. That breaks my heart when I, when I hear parents uh, not supporting their children and, and nurturing them. No, they supported me. But um, okay. why couldn't they tell me that... Um, that... that you were going to be a great success? Well, they should have. They should have, Helena. Uh, but deja vu is, uh, is, is remarkable. The most, the most vivid example of deja vu I ever had was uh, traveling down to New Jersey for uh, the Mighty Aphrodite's cousin's wedding. And we were in and around Randolph somewhere. Uh, and we drove through this little town down this very quaint main street. And I, it just hit me. As I just felt like I was home. Uh, like I'd been here before. Everything looked familiar. It felt familiar. And uh, it turns out... A couple of months later, we uh, we got one of those free uh, monthly subscriptions to Ancestry.com or Ancestry.ca. And um, uh, it turns out my uh, my ancestors on my mother's side uh, came from that part of New Jersey. So I don't know what to make of that, but I, it was fascinating. Uh, deja vu is a fascinating topic. And what my favorite comedian, Stephen Wright, had a great line, something about having experiencing deja vu and amnesia at the same time. I'm not sure what, what would happen there. All right, let's say hello to Earl in Oakville. Earl, welcome aboard. How are you? I'm fine, Richard. How are you? Very well. Thank you, my friend. Okay, uh, this is back in the mid-1970s. I lived in North York on the 11th floor in an apartment, and I had a telescope. And one night I was looking out, and I could swear this looked like a little rocket taken off. And it was a very bright light heading towards the sky, and I saw it in my telescope, and it was a UFO sighting. And to this day, I don't know what it was. This was in North York, and for those uh, not familiar with Toronto, this is a, uh, a part of Toronto, sort of north of the 401, 
or yeah, I guess between Victoria Shepherd, Park and yeah, Lawrence. right, Victoria Park and Lawrence, and then uh, Shepherd North. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so um, I guess that doesn't help people who don't know Toronto. <laughs> anyway, so you you saw you had a telescope and you saw this yeah, this saw, something. It looked like a, looked like a ro- bright light, like a rocket taking off. It was from a, from another building from, uh, in, the, in the distance, and I saw my telescope looking like a bright light. Is it possible? It was. Is it, it a was possible a really that it was a hobbyist heading towards the sky at lightning fast speed? Is know? it possible, Earl, that it was some a uh, hobbyist a launching a little rocket? I don't know. Uh, no, I don't think so, Richard. What it color was, was the light? It was kind of like a whitish, bluish light. Okay. Yeah. So something burning yeah. sounds like it's something burning hot now, and and. Um, how far up did it go? Did it did it keep going went, and then disappear? Went up to the sky. All right. Yeah. And did it was it did it just go straight up or did it maneuver it went around? Straight up. Yeah, it went straight up. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, very Hard to straight. say, Earl. Hard to say. Anything that now that was back in the seventies, forty yeah, years I went ago. Back to the seventies. Forty years ago, Earl. Yeah. Well, Any, you know, I'm, I I don't have Alzheimer's. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> doubting. No, no. I'm not doubting what you saw. What I'm saying. What I was going to ask you, Earl, is has there been anything since then? No, no, I haven't seen. I live in Oakville now. I, I haven't seen anything strange. You know. All right. Well, that was back in the seventies. I, I thought you'd be interested. I am interested. Listen, Earl, I'm always interested in those types of things. You know, uh, I have never had a UFO sighting. Never. Really? Eh? I know that sounds strange for someone who who sort of makes a living at this, but I have never. Yeah. And I've only had one sort of what I would call paranormal, supernatural occurrence in my entire life. Yeah, yeah. Earl. Thank okay, you for Richard, checking in. I appreciate out. it. No, I'm, I'm, I am interested in that story, and I appreciate the call. Thank you so okay, much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740 and toll-free from just about anywhere, 1-866-740-4740. Uh, James is in the Buckeye State, Ohio. Good evening, James. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hey, how you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm pretty good. Um, I tell you though, uh, it's been it's raining like uh, table legs here. You know that old expression? Just it's just coming down, uh, like like it's biblical. It's biblical. What's the weather like there? Well, it's uh, pretty clear right now. It was raining pretty hard earlier, but it's not too bad right now. All right. What's um, on your mind? Well, well, just one main thing. But uh, first, I want to uh, say I've been listening to you for. A couple of years. I uh, started when I was in the military. I was stationed out in Vegas, and uh, I just got hooked to your show. Oh, I appreciate um, that. I probably, I probably listen to you more than probably anybody when it comes to podcasts. But um, my main uh, question is, and I don't, I don't know who you might would have on, but uh, the flat Earth. Um, I don't know if you might would want to do a podcast on it. And I, I know it's a really touchy subject, but. You know, there's some things to it that uh, just really make me question with the world that we live in. And right. um, I just kind of wanted to spin that by you and see if maybe you would want to uh, make a podcast about the flat earth. Well, um, we do we do offer the show as a podcast. Just just for clarification for those listening, this is a regular, you know, terrestrial radio program. We go out live and then we, you know, we do offer the show uh, in repeat on the, on the podcast. How are you listening to us, James, by the way, right now? Uh, through YouTube. Through YouTube. Okay, great. Um, so we have done a, a, a program, I guess, within when was it, Albert? The last year, or maybe two years ago, a year and a half. Time flies. We did a show on on the flat Earth. Who was that we had on? Do you remember his name? Eric Dubai. Or yeah, something? Eric, Eric Dubai. Dubai. Yeah, okay, I recognize that name. Yeah. Uh, you know what? It, it's a fascinating topic, and I'm not. 
you know, I don't believe that it's a flat earth. However, I'm not an expert. So when someone comes on and uh, Eric, um, you know, he offered up some pretty interesting arguments. But I, my feeling is that most of them can be easily refuted. But that doesn't mean I, I'm not interested in talking about it. And we can certainly do another show. Uh, I'll be okay. I'll be all cards on the table. I don't think I would have Eric uh, on again. Unfortunately, there's some kind of unsavory uh, stuff that he gets into on his website, and I'm and I won't tolerate that on the air. Um, however, I mean we didn't discuss that on the air, but so uh, you know what we will we'll do another show. Maybe I'll set up a debate. I'll have sort of a pro and a con. What do you think about that, uh, guys? Uh, a debate on a flat Earth. Would that be interesting? That that would that would sound you, that, that sounds really good. All right, and I I do have one other thing, uh-huh. and uh, I, I haven't really understood, um, or I, I can't really explain what's causing it, but I'm sure you've heard the of the uh, Mandela effect. Yes, a number of people have. Maybe that was you that uh, tweeted and wanted to do a show. Was that you that tweeted me on that? Uh, I don't I don't think it was. I'm not big on Twitter, but. Ah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just wanted to run that by, and I don't want to take up all your time because I'm sure other college have more important well, uh, things to you, bring you, up. Well, you, you're, you're, you're offering up some great uh, topics. The Mandela effect is – so this is interesting. Have either of you guys, Ryan or uh, uh, Albert, have you heard about the Mandela effect? It, that's like chaos theory, like Mandelbrot? Is that, well, uh, well, what like happens is people, people they think they misremember something. For example, there are people who believe that they heard that Mandela, Nelson Mandela had oh. died months or even years earlier. Yeah. They remember hearing that on the news. And there are other examples of yeah, that. They saw a movie that doesn't exist and things like that. Exactly. Movie. Yeah. Exactly. What, what, is, what do you think that's about? Well, I think the uh, the only, and you know, I've I've kind of thought about the time travel aspect of it, but it doesn't really make sense because, I mean, there, if it was time travel, why would they go back and change all these meaningless things that really isn't affecting anything? <laughs> exactly. Like, mo- yes, like movie quotes and and logos and stuff like that. But so I'm kind of leaning towards um, maybe the quantum computing like with uh, the D-Wave quantum computer and things like that. Hmm. But, you know, it's so, it's so hard to, to know, you know, but uh, I'll tell I know you what. for sure there are some things that uh, I remember that uh, are not what it's, what it's like in this. Um, memories, know, James, memories are tricky things. I did a show on Coast to Coast with a memory expert, and uh, I tell you, you know, we, we think we remember things um, – you know, when we were when we were children, and a lot of those end up being implanted, not you know, not deliberately, uh, but someone says something to you. Um, maybe they remembered something you did as a child, and then pretty soon, you think it's your memory, and it, it's not your memory. You're remembering someone else's memory of you. Uh, but there are so many different examples of how memory can be manipulated. And this right. uh, this woman that I had on. Um, she did a study, and she she insists that she can convince just about anyone off the street, for example, after maybe a four- or eight-hour session, that they committed some crime. And they'll walk away actually believing it. So, that almost sounds like an MKUltra type of It does. Control, You're absolutely you know? right. It does. So, you know, we can have memories implanted and not even realize it. But, and it's not necessarily a nefarious thing like MKUltra. Um, right. It just... 
we really have to be careful about about you know whether we were actually remembering something. I think that may be in large measure what's going on with the Mandela effect. However, it's you know we've never talked about it on the air, and it's a great topic idea. Albert, let's do something on the uh, the Mandela effect. We'll uh, we'll look up an expert. Thank you, James. Thank you. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you checking in from Ohio, and thank you for your service. Served two years in uh, in Las Vegas. What a great gig that would be, right? Uh, Tony is in Brampton. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Tony, how are you? Oh, I'm very good, Richard. And yourself? Very well, thank you. Well, first of all, I have to say I do love your show. I appreciate that. This thank is you. The, one of the rare times I've actually ever called into any, any shows whatsoever. Aha. Well. So I just want to thank you for... Uh, Taking my call. Well, we're going to do open lines once a week uh, in the second hour, starting next week uh, after uh, midnight. So, excellent. Well, one thing that I've sort of been sort of banding around in my head the past uh, few years is, um, and I don't think I've ever heard it on your show, um, and I think it possibly is a conspiracy as to the name of our Savior. I understand, you know, growing up as a Christian, that we've—I mean, I've always heard that his name is, you know, Jesus Christ. But the more I've been studying, the more I've been hearing sort of other things lately. I'm noticing that possibly there, there could be a conspiracy around the name, and that his real name is Yeshua, well, Mashiach. Well, that's 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 the Hebrew. That's Yeshua correct. is Hebrew. Jesus is is from from the Latin or form of the Greek name, right? Yes. Now, my understanding is when you do, when you do a translation, you go from the original, and then you go to the language that you want translated. So my understanding is it's gone from the either the Aramaic and Hebrew to Greek, and then from Greek to English. And I'm wondering why it just didn't go from the Aramaic straight to English. And if you were to do that, I think it would go from Yeshua to Joshua. And then, so where did Jesus come from? Well, um, that's a good point. I don't know. Like, shouldn't it but be I, you know, I've I've heard Joshua. I've heard him. Maybe, um, I've heard that too. Joshua, yeah. Yeshua. You know what? I don't call. I don't care if they call him Fred. I will follow him. No, exactly. But that's an interesting point. You know, and because you know, unfortunately, the church has a little bit of a history of being anti-Semitic. So are they trying to maybe cover up the, the Jewishness of our Savior? I mean, even Mary, her, her real name is Miriam, right. not Mary. That's an excellent point. And you're right. Um, certainly leading up to, uh, well, with Vatican II, up until Vatican II, there was uh, a, a separation uh, between the, the, the Hebraic roots yes. of, of Jesus and Christianity. But you'll find now with a lot of evangelicals, they are— they are really, and I'm, I welcome this, they are embracing that. For example, uh, there are many evangelicals now who, who celebrate the Sabbath on the Saturday. Excellent. Uh, who, who observe, you know, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and, and all of the, the, uh, the traditional Jewish feasts. Yes. Because, because that's what, I mean, Jesus was a Jew, and that's what he did. And, exactly. and they put the emphasis, for example, on Passover, yes. not on Easter. A perfect. Yes. The lamb, not the bunny. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but that's a great question. And you know what we'll do? We'll have Jonathan Kahn, my good friend uh, Jonathan Kahn, uh, come on, and or Carl Gallops, and maybe he can discuss uh, how it has come down to us that our Lord and Savior is Jesus and not Joshua. Yes, exactly. Great you question. Know, from Yeshua, if, if you're just going to anglicize that, then that would be Joshua. Excellent point. You yes. see, Tony, I, that's, I have the greatest callers and listeners in Radio Land. Thank you for checking in from Brampton. Thank you, Richard. Have, have a good night. Stay dry. All right, when we come back, open lines will continue and we'll also reveal what's in the box. 416-360-0740 and out of town, 866-740-4740.
You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Time to reveal what's in the box, our weekly remote viewing experiment. Uh, Karen is guessing um, a black checker in the box. And let's see what else we have here. Uh, Dustin says a banana, a yellowish-greenish banana. Uh, Let's see what else, what else, what else. I said I wasn't going to do this, and I don't want to encourage. But I'm not getting, for some reason, I'm not getting a lot. Oh, uh, someone said cookies. Someone guessing weekly. (laughs) We get cigars. I said I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to go to the live chat just because it's right in front of me. And again, normally I wouldn't. Um... Gord is guessing a silver round ring-like object. And you betcha, cigars. And Warren RCG, a half-eaten tuna salad sandwich. Uh, YY is guessing a, a hammer or some sort of tool. And a Dar Smith is guessing a keychain, David Tribble, a blue cup, and uh, again, why, why? There's metal in there. All right. And thinker, it's cookies in the box. A couple of people guessing cookies. Carol B., a golf ball. And uh, anyway, well, let's just do it. Open it up. It's a toy airplane, a little guy's model, a U.S. Air Force. I would have taken toy plane. Anyway, the metal, someone said metal. It's plastic, but it has kind of, it's supposed to look like a metallic object. So not close enough, I'm afraid. All right, back in the box we go. And uh, we will do a remote viewing experiment. What's in the box next week? In the meantime, please check out the uh, Conspiracy Show online store for some fabulous Conspiracy Show merchandise, mugs and T-shirts and uh, and so forth, Uh, phone cases. If you've got uh, just about every iteration of iPhone and Android, you can get a phone, a phone case with the uh, Conspiracy Show logo, theconspiracyshow.com. And just go into the menu and look for the, the online store. Uh, let's see. We have uh, Paul out in Oshawa with a close encounter in Scarborough. Paul, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm good, Richard. Uh, thank you very much for uh, taking the call. Good to hear uh, from you again, Paul. It's been a while. It's been quite a while. Uh, you know, I'm a granddaddy, so lots of activity in that area. I'll bet. Um, but uh, the UFO uh, sightings uh, have been continuing for me uh, as I observe the skies day and night. And uh, more daylights than night times, but uh, there just seem to be increasing uh, that I'm viewing and uh, also pointing out to witnesses and photographing as usual. Right. Yeah, you have, um, you have, over the years, you've sent me a number of photos, and, uh, I mean, these things seem to follow you around. Well, I just keep observing them, and it looks like something's observing myself or uh, our environment below. Right, and you, um, you were actually part of our, um, we did an alien abduction 
episode for the TV show, The Conspiracy Show, several years ago. I forget which season it was, and you appeared in that. Uh, and did you not undergo a, um, a regression under hypnosis, and, and which allowed you to sort of re-experience an abduction? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was on your show uh, back on January 2010, I believe. Right. Uh, memory serves me right. Yes. With uh, uh, Sky. Deborah Sky. Uh, that's right. That's right. We did it live on the air. We did the regression live on the air. Yes. Uh, it, it brought a, a lot more uh, memory of uh, occurrences of different entities. Uh, and also uh, from that time has uh, brought a little more memory uh, of scenes of playing with them in the yes, house. Yes, yes. And this is intergenerational, isn't it? Isn't it? Did you suspect it was happening with your children? Uh, they have seen things. Okay. Uh, their friends have been with them and seen things with them. Uh, so, uh, yes, maybe in retrospect, uh, it could very well be. Um, but uh, the close encounter... Uh, that I'd like to talk to you about, which I don't think I've ever discussed with you, is a very interesting sighting and probably would be uh, very insightful to your listeners as well. All right. We just got a little a little bit of time here, so give us sort of the Reader's Digest version. Okay. Uh, the date was August 4th, 1977, just as it hit dusk. I was working outside a uh, car pickup at Dominion Stores Limited at Nielsen and Ellesmere in Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Uh, working away on a car, and there was a man parked in a car adjacent, uh, close to a field, and he asked me, what's that uh, up there? And I looked over to the east directly, and I said, it's a plane, continued on, finished the car, the next car, he says, but it's not moving. I I didn't really look. I said, well, it's it's a helicopter, and continued on uh, loading the car, and then I had no more cars, and he says, but look at the lights on it. So I turned directly around and looked straight ahead uh, about a mile at Niels, or at uh, Morningside and Ellesmere, and there was uh, 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 different colored lights going in a wheel, a clock uh, wheel fashion. And uh, I said, hey, yeah, what is that? So I ran across the field about a couple hundred yards with my head down. I'm 18 years old. And I stopped in the middle of the field to look to it uh, less uh, a mile away, a couple hundred yards. And uh, it wasn't there, so I looked at the sky, looked over my shoulder, and there it was about 50 feet away uh, to the west of me, about 200 feet up. Uh, the craft was silver gray, no markings on it, uh, no uh, portholes. Uh, it was shaped like a pear or capsule shaped, 30 to 40 feet long, and I was looking at the back end of it, and the center of it had a large orangey-yellow light that stayed on, and four distinct primary colors, blue, green, yellow, red, going around the perimeter of the orange one. It stayed there uh, making no sound, just the lights were moving around, rotating clockwise around the orange one. Uh, I was underneath it for about 15 minutes and off, thinking they were time travelers. And uh, Why why was that your first thought? uh, Because I never thought of the word extraterrestrials or aliens. It just looked oh, I see. Okay. out of the future. Oh, I see. Right. Interesting. And, and of course, as you know, uh, as a child, uh, in those growing years, uh, in the Apollo uh, uh, capsule uh, program, that's what it looked like. But it was a little longer and sleeker, uh, with no markings on it, sitting there motionless uh, with the lights going on. So I ran across the field to get a witness, 
I, I had earlier before running, I yelled for it to land, pointing to the ground, land. And uh, I could only think of the word Neanderthal in my mind and bone density. And, and again, of those words, ran across the field to, to get a witness. And three things I noticed when I stopped uh, getting to the parking lot, the witness who had pointed to me, the old man in the car was gone. The object had a high-pitched beeping sound, uh, and it was starting to move very slow, one to two miles per hour heading towards the northwest. I ran into the store to get Ian, who was unloading a 45-footer in grocery. He says, oh, Paul, i got to get this done. It's probably a blimp, blah, blah, blah. I furiously ran back out through the store and yelled for Chuck, who was collecting the carts. Okay, Ethan Paul, i got to wind this up. i got to wind this up because I'm going into a break. Um, so. Okay. Uh, all right. So he had seen it. It was at a greater distance now, uh, beeping away. We could only make out the lights, not the... Okay, so you have corroborating... You have, you have witnesses that saw it as well. Uh, yes. uh, listen, Paul, uh, check into this often, and uh, maybe we'll talk to you next week, and we'll get to uh, get some more details on that sighting. Paul in uh, Oshawa, thank you. Thanks very much, Richard. Enjoy. Thank you. All right, more of your calls on the other side. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Just a few moments uh, yet to get in on our open line segment. And just a reminder, starting next week, we will do open lines, the first half hour of the second hour. A brand new format uh, unveiling uh, next week, and we'll have some regular panelists joining us. The first hour is going to be pretty busy. We'll have a couple of panelists in the first 15 minutes and then uh, a couple more guests uh, in the uh, one in the second segment and one in the, uh, the, the fourth and final segment of the hour. Just a short, uh, shorter segments, um, uh, more guests. It's going to be busier. It's going to move a little quicker, I think. Hope you like it. And then in the uh, the second hour, every week, open lines uh, for the first half hour, and then we'll have uh, a guest in the second half hour. Usually, that's where we'll park our sort of our paranormal ufology type uh, topics. In the first hour, will will be a little more. I suppose, uh, sort of hard-hitting, uh, conspiratorial, political subterfuge, geopolitics, that sort of thing. 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, and toll-free from just about anywhere, one 740 740 866-740-4740. I interviewed this Italian neurosurgeon uh, on, it was coast-to-coast, a couple of years ago, maybe 18 months, Sergio Canavero. Some are calling him uh, Dr. Frankenstein uh, or Frankenstein for you Gene Wilder fans. Anyway, he's, um, at that time, uh, he was claiming that he was going to undertake the first human head transplant. Uh, and he had a, um, a Russian patient lined up who, was, who had some uh, 
degenerative neuromuscular disease, I believe, confined to a wheelchair, and uh, this was going to be his patient. He was going to take the um, this patient's head and transplant it on an otherwise healthy body, obviously donated. And I know it sounds absolutely unreal. Well, now we are, here we are, 18 months later, and uh, Dr. Sergio Canavero is insisting he's going to undertake the first human head transplant later this year in China. He told the German magazine Um in a, an article published earlier this week, and following that effort, he will revive a cryogenically frozen brain and transplant it into a donor body within the next three years. And the plan's completely disconnected from reality, some might say, uh, and the state of modern medicine, or at least in, in line with his previous rather outlandish goals, and um, some have called it dubious animal research. Uh, he made headlines in the past few years by claiming that transplanting the whole head of a human onto a donor body is currently possible. And uh, this Russian man suffering from a, a spinal muscular atrophy malady called Wernig-Hoffman disease uh, publicly volunteered for the procedure. And uh, as proof that the transplant could work, Canavero published gruesome experiments back in 2016 said to have repaired the severely injured spinal cords of mice, rats, and a dog. And uh, the experiments came complete with a cringeworthy video of... Um, recovering animals struggling to drag their limp bodies around. There were similar, uh, I remember seeing YouTube videos back in the 50s uh, of, a, of similar type experiments. Anyway, uh, Sergio Canavero is in earnest, and he says sometime this year he will perform a head, human head transplant uh, in China. And he appeared recently on a, a British chat show, and um, he was asked, uh, I guess, about the, the patient, patient's chances of survival, and here's what he had to say. What are the chances, do you believe, that Valerie will survive the operation and indeed have a better quality of life after it than he does now? Uh, as I said multiple times, uh, we are all agree, at least the top surgeons that will be part of the team, uh, that 90% uh, is the chance that Valeri stands to survive the operation. So 90%, uh, why? Because there is a plan. The first uh, humans to receive uh, this sort of a head transplant uh, will not be Valeri but uh, we will just be performing these first on cadavers, then on brain-dead organ donors. So the first live head transplant will come about somewhere where we'll be able to transfer the head of a brain-dead organ donor on the body of a decapitated uh, brain-dead organ donor. So only after extensive cadaveric rehearsals and uh, this final proof-of-principle surgery on brain-dead organ donors, we will move uh, on uh, Valerie. Actually, the list of patients is so long that I can't even begin to just uh, okay. give okay. you all the names. Dr. Hillary, we've heard from the professor who's, uh, you know... All right, that was actually Pierce Morgan, uh, who uh, fled back to England after <laughs> a rather inauspicious uh, tenure at uh, CNN. Um, Actually, now that he's back in England, I, I, I kind of like Pierce Morgan a lot over there. <laughs> anyway, that was his interview uh, with uh, Sergio Canavero, and uh, I'm going to have to get him. We can get him back on the program as uh, the uh, the date for this uh, procedure 
uh, approaches. Can you believe it? A human head transplant sometime in 2017? Uh, open lines. We've just got, uh, well, this will be last call to the phone lines, 416-360-0740 and toll-free from out of town, one 866 740 I was going to have Dr. Timothy Ball on, on the program tonight. He, was, um, he emailed me this morning. He uh, suddenly took ill. And uh, we're praying for a, a speedy recover, Dr. Ball, if you're listening. Uh, he was going to come on and, and talk about um, what he sees as, you know, one of the greatest scientific hoaxes of the 20th century, and that is uh, climate change. And um, I, uh, I'm pretty much in line uh, with Dr. Ball on that. And, and now this uh, comes out that a number of PhDs have uh, written a book chapter asserting that doubts about the theory of human-caused global warming should be considered real science. Well, of course. Of course. Of course they, they should. This idea that 97% of, of scientists uh, believe in man-made uh, global, global warming is, is um, a canard. And, and we now know the origin of that. It was a survey taken, a, a limited number of, uh, of scientists, many of whom were not even earth scientists or climatologists, and... Uh, they were asked a series of very broad-based questions. Do you believe in climate change? Well, of course, climate change is real. As uh, Jesse Waters on Fox likes to say, it's called the seasons. <laughs> uh, but the question as to whether man is contributing to global warming, that's another whole other kettle of fish. And there is not this 97% consensus, uh, never has been. And uh, a number of notables now have come out. They've written a, a book chapter. And um, the National Science Teachers Association, however, wants, this is in the United States, the National Science Teachers Association wants nothing to do with such an approach. Its executive director, David Evans, has written a letter to members insisting they must teach the agendas of the National Wildlife Federation, the North American Association for Environmental Education. These are activist groups. These are not scientific bodies. These are activist groups. Uh, So, again, the National Science Teachers Association is, uh, is saying, ignore the other side. Uh, they must avoid, he contends, the information compiled by the scientists who wrote why scientists disagree about global warming. The chapter, written by Craig Idso, Robert Carter, and S. Fred Singer, and published by the Heartland Institute, challenges common climate change and global warming agenda arguments. Spencer Irvine of Accuracy in Academia wrote in a review, as much as the liberal media, liberal academics, and pundits tell Americans that the earth is too warm and human, human beings are the cause for a spike in weather and temperature changes, there is little to no scientific consensus to support these assertions. It is clear that the climate change agenda turns a blind eye to neutral and impartial studies of the project. Now, um, I had um, the co-founder of Greenpeace on this program and also on Coast to Coast, Dr. Patrick, uh, Dr. Patrick Moore, I believe. Um, this is, he's an earth scientist, Ph.D. in earth science, and he co-founded Greenpeace. But he quit uh, when it started to adopt what he called sort of an anti-human agenda. They started out as kind of a no-nukes and save-the-whales type organization, uh, you know, which is, is laudable and, and, and so forth, although you may disagree about uh, – the efficacy, safety of nuclear power. Uh, but sometime in, I guess, in the 80s, they adopted this anti-human agenda. Humans are bad. We are a blight. We are a cancer. Uh, and so he had to quit. And now he is a, a vocal, um, a critic of 
anthropogenic global warming, man-made global warming. Now, a couple of years ago, he was in India at a climate change conference. And um, I just, I, I wanted to play a clip. I thought this was a very succinct little clip, and he's describing the importance. Of course, CO2 has been um, described as a pollutant by the EPA, a pollutant. It is absolutely essential for, for life here on this planet. Here's Dr. Patrick Moore. I believe we should recognize that carbon dioxide is the most important food for all life on Earth. It's what plants eat to make sugars, which is the basis of energy for all life. And all life is carbon-based on this Earth. Carbon is the building block of life. And without carbon in the atmosphere, this would be a dead planet. So surely that counts for something. The fact that, that, that life would be impossible without carbon dioxide means that at least it has some good to it. And as a matter of fact, I say it's not only essential and beneficial, but it is the most essential and beneficial molecule in the air. I'll say um, 400 parts per million, 400 parts uh, per million. That's where we are in terms of CO2 levels. Uh, Moore describes that as a starvation diet of CO2. The optimal level of CO2 in the atmosphere for plant growth is about 1,200 parts per million, three times where it is presently at. If you talk to a farmer who has greenhouses, what do they do to uh, increase the yield and to, to uh, increase uh, plant growth? They pump carbon dioxide into the greenhouses. To what level? About 1,200 parts per million. So this idea that carbon dioxide is a pollutant is just utter nonsense. Anyway, we'll, uh, we'll leave that for another time when uh, Dr. Timothy Ball is uh, feeling much better and we'll get him back on the program. Joshua P. Warren is coming up next and he'll join us live from Puerto Rico, right smack dab in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. Stay with us here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Thanks for the hang. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zuma Radio, here in Toronto, AM 740 and 96.7 FM. Hi to all of you uh, catching us on the podcast, iTunes, uh, TuneIn.com, Stitcher Radio, and TalkZone.com. Don't forget TalkZone.com. It's a great uh, place to go for the, um, for the podcast. Uh, apparently, I'm getting emails. We're having some trouble with iTunes. I don't know what's happening there. So you've always got that, uh, if it's not your first choice, your fallback position, TalkZone.com. Those of you, of course, listening to this transmission on one of your um, mobile devices, thanks to the uh, the Conspiracy Show app and the Zoomer Radio app, which are both fabulous and free for for Android and iTunes. Uh, Those of you listening uh, on one of our great affiliate stations across uh, Canada and the United States, and uh, those of you watching us on the, the live YouTube stream, the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Don't forget to hit the sub button. Hello to all of you uh, in the YouTube live chat once again. Wherever 
And however you're listening, watching, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, Joshua P. Warren is with us for the hour, and he's just moments away. We spoke off the air uh, before the, uh, the show, and he's in Puerto Rico, right in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, most apropos for a paranormal investigator. Uh, Ian Robertson is here on the other side of the glass, my fine rockabilly friend, twisting the knobs and the dials. And uh, let's check in with Ian. Ian, any uh, any gigs coming up for your... You've got two rockabilly, not one, two rockabilly bands, uh, the wretched ones? Just just one rockabilly band. Oh. <laughs> the Grease Marks. The Grease Marks. Yeah, and I the mean, wretched ones are what? Uh, ruthless Ones. Ruthless Ones, my yeah, apologies. It's, it's like a punk ska band. Pump, punk and ska. Yeah, so if you'd imagine like the early Clash... Oh, love the early clash. Yeah. All right, that's the ruthless the ones. ruthless ones, yeah. and uh, the grease marks are the uh, any gigs coming up? Yeah, Friday, uh, in Tr- downtown Toronto near Spadina and Bloor. What's the name of the club? Uh, it's twenty two Madison Avenue. All right, Basically, doors open at uh, nine. Nine. Yeah. Okay, you'll be taking the stage, and uh, are you the opening act? Or are you the feature uh, act? Feature act. Well done, my yeah, friend. Yeah, it's All right. basically a frat house party. A frat house party. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll give that one a wide berth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'll perform here one night for me. There we go. Uh, one of the, and um, uh, here in studio, my story producer, occasional remote viewer, the mysterious, the shy, the intrepid, Albert Vinzel. Albert, are you gigging around town? What's going on with you these days? Um, no, <laughs> no gigs. Um, just taking it easy. All right. Just taking it easy. And uh, finally, my producer of my weekly radio feature, Strange Planet, Ryan White. Welcome. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Good. Anything to promote? A book tour? Anything? No, unfortunately. Just uh, yeah, just doing like Albert said. All right. All right. I got to work you guys harder. Uh, one of the most uh, popular prosaic explanations for the mysterious disappearances of uh, ships and planes in the Bermuda Triangle has now been officially debunked. Skeptics searching for an answer to the puzzling phenomena have long suggested that lost ships and planes fell victim to, get this, a surge of methane gas, or as they say in England, methane. It's methane, folks. Methane gas erupting from the ocean floor. Can you imagine? People actually thought that. So um, uh, an author and bubble physicist, there's actually such a thing as a bubble physicist, Helen Zersky, says that the methane bubble theory is simply scientific hot air. And according to her explanation, if a large amount of methane erupted from the ground underwater, it would quickly form into tiny bubbles. Remember that song, Don Ho? Rather than a ship sinking giant mass of gas. Additionally, these tiny bubbles would push the water below the ship upwards as they rose and ultimately would cause the vessel to move away from the scene. Zersky goes on to say that theoretically such an event could sink a ship if it were tilted over to one side, except that every ship is built to prevent that from happening. As such, she declared, methane bubbles in the Bermuda Triangle definitely do not sink ships. And of course, you know, how would that possibly, how would methane bubbles possibly affect uh, countless planes that have also uh, disappeared over the Bermuda Triangle. We go now to the center of the Bermuda Triangle. Joshua P. Warren has spent 20 years breaking ground in the paranormal. He began publishing at the age of 15. Holy smokes, I was still wetting the bed. Not really. At age 25, Simon & Schuster published his book, How to Hunt Ghosts, now widely considered a classic in the field. In 2004, he made the cover of the science journal Electric Spacecraft uh, for his work on the mysterious Brown Mountain Lights. Founder of Lemur, L-E-M-U-R, Paranormal, and the Asheville Mystery Museum, 
He often corresponds for Coast to Coast AM, hosts the nationally syndicated Speaking of Strange radio show, is a regular personality on programs that have aired on the Travel Channel, Discovery, History Channel, National Geographic, Sci-Fi, Animal Planet, through an open, imaginative mind. Warren tells the facts with a warm, respectful sense of humor, yet reduces them down to a solid lab experiment to separate fact from fiction. And a quick Google search demonstrates why his schedule includes major events regarding ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, psychic phenomena, time warps, everything that presses forth the boundaries of normal reality. Here's just a partial list of his books. How to Hunt Ghosts, I mentioned that. Pet Ghosts, Animal Encounters from Beyond the Grave. Evil in Asheville, uh, that's a work of fiction. Haunted Asheville, Plausible Ghosts, The Secret Wisdom of uh, um, Kukul Khan. Poor Man's Paranormal, Don't Play with Robert. <laughs> i got to find out more about that, poor Robert. Uh, Use the Force, A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction, and The Gringo Maniac Murder Spree. I love these names. Uh, Joshua P. Warren, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, as you know, I really love this show. Uh, I am just astounded by the information that you're able to extract from great quality guests. So it's uh, always fun to be with you, sir. Oh, it's a great pleasure to have you on, uh, Joshua. So there you are in the Bermuda uh, Bermuda Triangle. So give us a sense of uh, how Puerto Rico, where you spend some months of the year, is situated within the triangle. Well, you know, the triangle is generally defined as this area between the three points of Miami, Florida, and then on the other extreme end, we have the island of Bermuda, and then right in the middle at the bottom of the so-called triangle is the island of Puerto Rico. And so um, it's not an exact uh, triangle, but it reminds me a lot of sort of the Gulf Stream. It's some kind of a pattern of uh, strange events that sort of forms this cluster. And uh, we, we've connected the dots to a certain extent, but we're still not 100% sure what's happening here. Uh, and and uh, d- now, did you choose, uh, I mean, you, you spend most of the time in Asheville, a beautiful, beautiful city in the Carolinas, but did you choose uh, Puerto Rico as kind of a home away from home because not only for the Bermuda Triangle, but of course you've got the Chubacabra sightings there. There's a lot of interesting paranormal stuff going on. Or did you just love the love Puerto Rico? Well, I love Puerto Rico. I've always been attracted to the tropical lifestyle, uh, which is, I guess, kind of ironic since I grew up in in the mountains. But nonetheless, um, I mean, here you have, I can honestly say, more paranormal activity per square mile than anywhere else I've ever been in the entire world. Hmm. And uh, as you just noted, we're not just talking about the disappearances that so many people associate with the triangle. We're also talking about every other type of paranormal phenomenon condensed and magnified. So just to go down a a quick list, I mean, just here in Puerto Rico, you have the oldest city in U.S. territory, Old San Juan, which has been around since the 1500s and has plenty of ghost stories and catacombs. I'll bet. Uh, When it comes to uh, UFO activity, well, you have the Arecibo Observatory here, which is, uh, well, up until recently, it was the largest radio satellite dish in the world. Uh, The Chinese just just built one that's bigger. Uh, But, you know, the movie Contact with Jodie Foster featured that dish. And uh, it's always been associated with UFOs and USOs and some of the reports and footage captured here is astounding. Uh, When it comes to cryptids, as you said, 
It's the birthplace of the so-called chupacabra, as well as other weirder things that most people probably haven't heard as much about. There's a creature called the gargula here. Uh, and then when it comes to sort of like psychic phenomena, you have chapels of miracles here where these amazing things purportedly occur. You have people who experience time warps. Uh, in addition to disappearances, enhanced ESP. Uh, I mean, it's just, a, I call it a phantasmagoria of activity <laughs> that makes it very easy for a guy like me to stay extremely busy and happy. Well, you're in the right place. Um, and speaking of the Bermuda Triangle, there's a conference going on there, Down. Tell me about uh, that. About that. Well, you know, this this lady who just made the announcement, of course, she was promoting uh, her book, and uh, I'm not exactly sure, frankly, about the conferences that are going on, uh, but I, I myself have a, a special event coming up in mid-July, which uh, if you go to my website and click the news section, you can learn about that. Um, but basically, um, you know, when it comes to the, the latest research on the Bermuda Triangle activity, um, I personally have come up with a theory that nobody else seems to be talking about. Um, I was not at all surprised when this physicist said that uh, methane was not a good explanation because for years I have spoken to uh, geologists very familiar with the uh, ocean structure here and the geological structure. I've, I've read documents from the U.S. Geologic Survey that claim there has been no significant discharge of methane here in over 10,000 years. Uh -huh. So even if that were an explanation, it doesn't really matter. Right, right. Um, but here's what you do find, and again, I think I'm the first person to, to notice this. When you look at NASA maps that illustrate the strength of the gravitational field around planet Earth, these maps usually show places where it's stronger in red and weaker in blue. And you'd be amazed at how inconsistent that field is. Well, right here at this patch on Earth that many consider the Bermuda Triangle, you have a patch that's so deep blue, when you get right here in the middle of it, right here where Puerto Rico is, it's so blue you can't even see it on the map. Wow. And so I started looking at connections between paranormal hotspots and gravitational fields. And my work is still pretty early here, but I'm starting to notice, Richard, that you have more activity at some of these places with very low gravity, and then at places with strong gravity, you, on the other hand, have sacred sites. You have pyramids, temples, ah. places of refuge from the, the paranormal. All right, Joshua, hold on to that. That's why you're cutting edge, my friend. Uh, we'll take a time out, come back. Joshua P. Warren is uh, with us, and we'll uh, get into parasymatics and some of his other unique paranormal experiments on the other side. The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. Ain't that the truth? 
Joshua P. Warren is uh, with us, and uh, we will discuss his new field of research called parasymatics in uh, just a moment. And uh, take a moment, get on up to Joshua's website, Joshua P. Warren, W-A-R-R-E-N.com, Joshua P. Warren, uh, dot com. And um, you, you were talking about this uh, event you have coming up in Old San Juan, and this is the Manifesting Good Fortune Retreat, and uh, that's happening July 13, 14, 15, so just a couple of months from now. Tell us a little bit more about that, uh, Joshua. Oh, well, thank you, Richard. Um, you know, it's funny because we do all this investigation into the paranormal, and sometimes we have to ask ourselves, well, to what end? You know, what is the ultimate goal here of anything that we do with science or research and technology. And the idea should be to improve our lives, to make our lives better. And so um, I, you know, I don't just look into how to conjure up creepy things and you know, scare the you-know-what out of people. I mean, I also look into things that will manifest positive activity, uh, that will bring people a happier life, a more fruitful life. And so I decided that uh, it was a good opportunity to um, take my, my great friend down here, who is a Santero, who does nothing but help people all the time. He's a very reclusive guy. This is a fellow who doesn't even have a cell phone. He's not even on the, the, the computer. And uh, take him as well as Dr. Mulder, who is the technician who actually builds the, the wishing machines. And I don't know uh, if that's something you'd like to dig into. But Absolutely, we will. We'll get into that, yeah. And, uh, and they are both going to be working with me for a weekend, and we're going to sit down with 10 people, and we're going to tell those 10 people everything that we have learned about how to take manifestation and use it to create good, positive things in your life. And I can say that I'm living proof that this works because I live uh, a dream life, as you can imagine. I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing. I've been self-employed now for uh, 22 years doing exactly what I love. Uh, I have a fantastic wife. I've got a great family. And so uh, I want people to come down here to this beautiful area if they want to uh, learn sort of what we've learned about how to make these things happen. So, yeah, you're right. All the information is there at uh, joshuapwarren.com. Just click the news section. Now, and what a great setting, Old San Juan. Uh, so how does this work? Is it, for example, everyone remembers this, uh, you know, back on Oprah, the, uh, the, the, all the hoopla about that book, The Secret and the Laws of Attraction. Uh, does it have, is there any similarity between what you're talking about and, and, and uh, The Secret? There is a similarity, but I read all those books and I got very mixed, wobbly results. And I realized that a lot of these books and a lot of this information just comes across as wishful thinking. Well, if you just wish enough and you're just positive enough, um, you can make things happen. But that's not it. Um, you also have to employ a specific technique. And coming at this from a more technical background, I think it is what an engineer would call sympathetic resonance. So in other words, if we have a room that is empty except for two pianos that are identical, and one man walks into that room and pounds a chord on one piano, that second piano will automatically play the same chord even though he goes nowhere close to it. Right. Um, you can demonstrate this with tuning forks. Just get on YouTube and you'll type in videos and you'll see somebody strikes a tuning fork, and it will make a nearby tuning fork create a corresponding signal that comes back. And so what I find is that 
you have to actually learn a specific technique about how to refine what you want, and then suddenly you can start seeing things work almost like magic, and that's what led me down this path to this new field called parasymatics. Yeah, tell me about uh, how this all started. Something about uh, a haunted doll uh, that you have. Is it Robert the Haunted Doll? Is that where it started? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because I've, I spent so many years thinking about how to, you know, manifest spooky things that I realized that, you know, if you can figure out how to manifest stuff, you can, you can manifest anything. You can manifest the, the creepy things or you can manifest the good things. But because I was studying the creepy things, uh, I went about seven years ago for the first time to Key West, Florida, and I did this big, thorough investigation of Robert the Haunted Doll, which is this three-foot-tall doll that's over 100 years old, and it has, oh gosh, hundreds of stories associated with it about this thing coming to life. Uh, in fact, the writer of the, the horror movie Child's Play with Chucky claims he was inspired by news stories about this doll. So, uh, and of course, as you mentioned, I even wrote a book about it, so there is plenty of content. Well, that said, when I was doing my investigation, I was given a rare opportunity. The powers that be fortunately had a couple fellows with suction cups come out because this doll is in a museum now, and they lifted this big heavy glass case off of him for the first time in years. Hmm. And this gave me an opportunity to shine a UV light on him. Now, of course, your listeners may not realize that glass blocks most UV light, uh, which is why you don't generally get a sunburn through your window as right. you're driving down the road. Right. So I knew I had this rare opportunity. When I shined this UV light on the doll, this weird little symbol appeared on his sleeve, which kind of looked like a distorted snowflake. Now, the story behind him had always been that a servant of the wealthy family uh, where he originated, was from Haiti and practiced some kind of magic. And I started doing research, and it appeared more and more like this little symbol is what magicians for thousands of years have called a sigil. So Sigil, S-I-G-I-L, sigil. Yeah, exactly. The, okay. the, the word really comes from the Latin word sigillum, which means seal. Uh, but it's been called different similar things going back even in, in the ancient Hebrew, uh, a segula, or, which means uh, a word or effect. And so basically the idea is that when somebody is trying to produce a magical effect, they whip up some kind of an energy form, like an energy mold, and then they condense it down into a visual representation, which may be abstract. And then once this thing is created, this sigil, if you come into contact with that sigil, it is exposing you to that energy formation that created it. Um, it's really sort of like broadcasting uh, because it kind of goes both ways. The energy creates the sigil, or you come into contact with the sigil, you're exposed to the energy. So that said, I started looking into how that energy can create shapes and symbols. And there was this German scientist named Ernst Schladny, who lived in the late 1700s, early 1800s, who would take a thin piece of metal and sprinkle sand on it, and he would stroke it with a violin bow and get all these amazing, beautiful patterns. Right, right. Sound and waves. We do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. You can see them condensed. You're literally seeing the, the, the vibration expressed as an abstract form. Well, we do this now, and we call this cymatics. Uh, you can put, say, a, a speaker underneath a, a metal plate with sand on it, and you play different tones, and you get these similar patterns. So I started experimenting with this, and long story short, Richard, because I'm here in the Bermuda Triangle and I'm interested in things that are occurring below the water and above the water, USOs, and I realized that the human body is mainly composed of water and empty space, I started taking containers of water and putting them over top of these different tones and getting all these weird patterns in the water and then viewing those patterns under different types of light, ultraviolet light, infrared light, laser light, and pulling different attributes out of those patterns. And then here's where the light bulb went off, and this turned from cymatics, the study of this visualization, into parasymatics. I thought, what if I start recording some specific intentions, if you will, like I want to attract a ghost, or I want to have a psychic experience, or I want a greater flow of money in my life, or I want love, or whatever. And you interweave that into the tongue, see what symbol this organically creates, and then take that symbol, print it out, and, it, and expose yourself to it. Is this actually going to work the way that magicians have claimed these things work? Now, when you say print it out, I mean, this image... Uh, is this an image that is formed uh, as a water crystal? Because it, it's somewhat it, it's somewhat reminiscent of the experiments of that Japanese scientist. Was it Emoto? Yeah, uh, Masaru Emoto. Um, and I actually interviewed Masaru Emoto through a Japanese translator while he was still, you know, in this dimension. He's no longer with us. But uh, Emoto, what he was doing was looking at things on a microscopic level. Right. Right. And, and, and so, so a water crystal exposed, was, a water crystal, for example, exposed to Mozart looked beautiful. Uh, and then he would play some you know, horrible heavy metal music. Sorry, <laughs> there's my bias showing. But, and and, and the, this water crystal looked deformed and misshapen and um, also you know, Im imbuing the water with, with the power of intention. Happy thoughts would change the crystalline water structure and so forth. Just giving people kind of a, a thumbnail sketch of what Emoto was about. Oh, yeah, and he would also freeze, you know, his samples, which is a really interesting thing. And I haven't gotten into the whole freezing stuff yet. And so basically, you know, my first experiment with this is, okay, I, I made a symbol to attract a ghost. I did not tell my wife what was going on. And my wife, she's not like me. She likes hearing about the paranormal, doesn't like experiencing it. No kidding. So my wife, <laughs> yeah, my wife, Lauren, my wife, Lauren, she went to bed. I, unbeknownst to her, put this symbol on the door of the bedroom. I was staying up all night. I, it's common for me. She came down at 4.30 in the morning, which is very uncommon for her. She's a sound sleeper, and she was freaking out. She said, Are you, have you been in the bedroom? I said, no. And she said, well, something keeps shoving me and waking me up. Oh, I think dear. this place is haunted. And, of course, I'm jumping up and down with excitement, but when I told her what I'd done— she wasn't very happy. But Joshua, um, is that responsible? I mean, what did you open a portal to? I mean, you don't know what's coming through that portal, do you? Well, I don't even know if it's a portal, though. Um, I think what may be happening is that I may be somehow participating in the process of creating this thing 
because the energy has to come from somewhere. And this may be a form of tulpamancy, where I'm providing the energy, and then when I took the symbol and I destroyed it, well, the activity ended at that uh, point. What did she see? Did she see anything, or did she just felt she felt the sensation of being shoved? She felt the sensation of being shoved, which has never happened to her before nor since. And but that was it. Now, if I'd kept it up, who knows what else could have occurred? But you know, this, these are experiments, and, and it's always a question, of, you know, of how responsible is some of this stuff. But okay, so after that, I made one for money. I want to attract more money in my life. I went to a casino down the road here at the Holiday Inn, and I hit two jackpots back to back, and I, that was. I'd never had that experience before. So what did that? Um, what is that? What does the the uh, the sigil look like for attracting money? Well, so far all of these are very abstract, weird-looking symbols. If you go to joshuapwarren.com and scroll down the homepage, I have them posted there. This is all free. This is not some money-making scheme. This is an experiment. Right. Uh, I have the ones that I produced so far. Um, and anybody who wants to experiment with this, uh, either take one of these images, put it on your phone or your computer, or print it out and put it somewhere where you'll see it a lot. Or if you own a, mich- a wishing machine, a lot of people around the world now own wishing machines, you can take one of these and you can actually put the symbol on the wishing machine input plate, and you can try that out as well. And, and, um, and for those people that aren't, aren't uh, don't have access to a computer, so uh, what you've done is you've sort of created an, an artistic rendering of this form that showed up in the water, right? That's exactly right. Okay. I, I created a tone that included a specific message and then took whatever pattern naturally occurred, captured that, put it on my computer, uh, enhanced it, and then turned it into this bizarre symbol that was given given to us by mother nature so we have a money sigil the ghost sigil is kind of interesting it almost looks like some sort of a crustacean uh and then you've got a love sigil and a psychic sigil the psychic sigil is to enhance one's intuitive intuitive abilities yeah because like for example i put that one under my pillow which actually uh, i didn't have a lot of success with that because i kind of toss and turn a lot so instead i decided to tape it on the headboard of my bed, and I'm always, I've always been a vivid dreamer, but I had this very realistic dream that one of my neighbors was going to move, a very mundane thing, but I got up the next day, and I saw them hauling out furniture, and I went over, and they said that they were moving, and so to me, now that was not, again, a life-altering thing. But it, it was shocking to me because I had such a vivid dream with that symbol, that sigil there, and then it was almost like you know seeing the future. Um, and so I, I went on Coast about a month ago, and I talked about this. And since then, I've gotten so many thousands of emails from people who have had these incredible experiences I'm actually making another batch of them now this coming week, um, and and this is going to address some of the things that people have told me that, that they would like. Um, and so uh, if, if anybody wants those, I'll have them posted. Uh, basically, the best thing to do, I have a, an, a free e-newsletter 
on my web page. And if you sign up for that, then I'll let you know when these new ones come out. And this can be a big collective experiment to see if parasymatics is actually going to stand the test of time and continue working for people. JoshuaPWarren.com. Joshua P, as in Peter. What does the P stand for, Joshua? It stands for Paul. Paul, there you go. Joshua Paul, or Joshua P, as in Paul Warren, W-A-R-R-E-N.com. JoshuaPWarren.com. And if you scroll down on the homepage, you'll see uh, the uh, the sigils. And I guess, uh, what should people do? Just print those off, on the, uh, print it, and maybe enlarge it. And uh, we'll talk about the wishing machine when we come back as well, how that works. Joshua P. Warren stays with us for the hour. Don't go anywhere. My name is Richard Serrett, and you're listening to The Conspiracy Show. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Parasymatics. It's a a new field of paranormal research, and uh, Joshua P. Warren is uh, with us to tell us more about it. He joins us from uh, beautiful Puerto Rico, uh, which is sort of paranormal central, really. There's so much going on there. And um, again, uh, give us the details for your... um, uh, your um, event that's happening there in July. Oh, well, thank you, Richard. Uh, yeah, this is actually a very uh, rare event. Uh, I am telling people it is a once-in-a-lifetime event, and I really mean that because uh, bringing myself and Dr. Mulder and Santero Longley all together, this is a major, a major ordeal, especially since all three of us travel a lot and we have a lot of projects we're working on. So basically, we are going to be right there in uh, my favorite hotel in Old San Juan, Puerto Rico. This is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. We're going to spend three days, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, we're actually going to go to the beach and snorkel some, and we're going to have, a, have the Santero do a blessing for everybody to have good fortune. But the idea is for us to get together for three days with, uh, with ten people and really have small, intimate discussions where I talk about what I've learned. Dr. Mulder talks about what he's learned about radionics and wishing machines. And then Santero Longley talks about what what he has learned from a lifetime of studying spirituality, all for the intention of creating truly practical, good things in your life. So I, uh, I've got the information there at the news section of JoshuaPWarren.com, but I have to get everything confirmed by this coming Friday. So if anybody wants to uh, to do it, now's the time to uh, to be a part of this. All right, JoshuaPWarren.com. Uh, so tell me about, there's a picture of the, the wishing machine uh, on, the, on the homepage. Tell me about uh, how this device came into, into being. War, uh, Joshua, can you hear me? Did we lose him? Hmm. Joshua P. Warren has left the building. All right. Well, he is in the Bermuda... All right. Ian is going to try calling him back. Well, he is in the Bermuda Triangle. So maybe that might have something to do with that. We'll, uh, 
If you can hear us, Joshua, hang up and we're going to call back. All right. I'm just looking at these uh, these sigils, the money sigil, the ghost sigil, the love sigil, and the psychic sigil. Uh, Albert, how, how, how do you think, I, I don't understand how these are made. Like, so you get, you get a, like a, I don't know, a, a, a container or a vessel of water, and he talked about using some sort of audio frequency, and then how do you, how do you transfer your intention into that audio signal to create this pattern in the water. I didn't quite get that. Do you understand? Well, I guess it, at the hertz, if 432 degrees hertz is the, you know, love frequency, then it, he's playing the audio at that, and the speakers will vibrate the sound to make that sort of shape, and then he renders it as an artistic drawing. 432 fre- is, it, hertz. Uh, hertz is the love frequency. I, I think so. I, I, I think that's what, what he's trying to do, yeah. Like, he's... he's you know, transliterating, you know, audio to the image okay, and then putting his intention on Sure. It. So the, the, the audio frequency obviously is going to create these shapes in the water because we know uh, from experiments that this is cymatics, right? So, but, but what is the, what is the, how do you determine what is the frequency for a ghost or what is the frequency yeah. for money? <laughs> do you understand that? I don't understand that aspect of it. Yeah, that would be a good, good one to pin him down on. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I think we've got, uh, Joshua, are you there? Uh, yeah, I am. It's and, that old Bermuda know, uh, Triangle. That, that's always my excuse. I mean, because it's true. Things do behave differently down here uh, electronically, and it doesn't matter if I, what kind of line I'm using. I've tried them all, and this sort of happens. <laughs> so, that's anyway, all right. Occupational uh, hazard. What I, what, yeah. While we were trying to get you back, I was asking uh, Albert, my story producer, um, how do you determine... The, uh, we'll get back to the wishing machine. I was asking you about that in a moment. But the, the, the frequency that you use, for example, uh, Albert, my producer, was suggesting the love f- frequency is 432 hertz or something like that. I mean, how do you determine the, the audio frequency for ghosts or the psychic uh, ability or money? How do you determine the frequency? Well, at this point, because I'm early in my experimentation, all that I'm really doing is scanning through a huge range of frequencies, and I'm seeing which frequencies are going to produce the most dynamic visual in a certain sized container with a certain amount of water. So I have these various conditions. You have the size of the container, you have the the amount of water, and then also you find that some of these things appear more clearly under UV, some more clearly under infrared, some better with a laser. So I, I'm not just at this point looking for, say, a frequency that might necessarily correspond to something in nature, like the Schumann resonance or something like that. Instead, I'm first trying to get a nice visual pattern, and then I find that when I also incorporate the audio that has the intention or the attraction, it will alter that normal pattern, and then that altered pattern is the one that I'm trying to capture. And so I definitely feel, however, that as time goes on, and we're able to sort of refine the possibilities here, that we can look into reproducing some of these more natural patterns. But I I, I also hope that people listening to this program who have some technical uh, understanding and some some curiosity and time will start making their own sigils and we can share information collectively all right so the uh, the wishing machine that we see uh, on the the homepage of joshua p. Warren.com, how did that come into being 
Well, you know, about 15, actually, I guess it's been 17 years ago now, um, I, I bought my first quote-unquote wishing machine. And uh, I have always been kind of a sucker for any type of bizarro little instrument with buttons and switches on it. I'll try out anything, no matter how much of a scam it sounds like. And so uh, to me, the, the wishing machine sounded like the scam of the century because this is a box that has been around for over 100 years that is supposed to do exactly what it sounds like, help you make wishes come true. And so um, there, scientifically, there is no sound technology behind why this should work. Um, I have some theories we can get into if you'd like. But anyway, um, I bought one of these boxes from a guy in California for $300. I thought I would be clever, and as soon as I got it, I tuned it, and I wished for my $300 back. <laughs> and then, like, two days later, I got a call from a major resort in Asheville saying we have a group of dentists who are coming into town, and they want somebody to show up and tell them some stories about the area for 45 minutes to an hour, and they're paying $300. Bingo. And I was so surprised that it was that exact amount that I thought, okay, I'm going to keep playing with this. So over the past 17 years, I have completely altered my life by using this machine and finding that, for me, this works incredibly well. And so I produced a project that started several years ago, which we can talk more about shortly. And we will do that shortly. Let me just jump in here, uh, Joshua. We'll take another time out. Come back, Joshua P. Warren on The Wishing Machine, joshuapwarren.com. Back with more in a moment. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, Call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. Uh, we are back into the home stretch with Joshua P. Warren, who is uh, down in Puerto Rico. Uh, his website, joshuapwarren.com. We're talking about parasymatics and the use of uh, sigils uh, to, to manifest things in your life. And it can be uh, money, it can be love, it can be uh, an enhanced psychic ability. Or, now this is interesting, um, ghosts. And uh, I want to, I want, if time permits, we'll get back around to that uh, because you may have uncovered sort of the underlying principle behind a lot of paranormal phenomena. It may be just a human manifestation. But I want to talk a little bit more about the money machine or the wishing machine, rather, a money machine. Hey, there's an idea. The wishing machine. And now, can you place these sigils on top of the wishing machine? Will that help? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, that is one of the most intriguing areas of research because. You can put a lot of different things onto the input plate of a wishing machine, but um, you also can put various abstract symbols. And so far, it seems that if you have a wishing machine and you put one of these parasymatic symbols onto the input plate, well, then you don't need to do anything else. I mean, it, it, it just sort of goes into autopilot at that point. And so uh, to me, it clearly demonstrates that 
the way these things are working has to do with somehow enhancing the way that uh, information in a general form is being condensed and then transmitted into this matrix or grid we call reality, and that it, it doesn't necessarily matter if you understand what you're doing so much as you have an idea, uh, sort of an emotional connection to what you're doing. Um, and so that said, uh, you know, I teamed up with Dr. Mulder uh, years ago, and that's not his real name. I mean, uh, the fellow who makes the wishing machines, who this guy is the best wishing machine maker in the world. Uh, he enjoys his privacy. That's why it's so amazing that he's going to be participating in this conference. He's never done this before, and nobody is allowed to photograph him or, or videotape anything. He really likes his privacy. And, and you have to understand, when you have a reputation for being the guy who builds wielding, uh, wishing machines, I mean, people will – they'll beat a path through your doorway and they will crawl in your windows. And, right. yeah. um, and, and so uh, we decided, look, if we want to understand why this stuff is working, um, there's no good way we can come up with of, of putting this in a laboratory setting, of trying to quantify all the variables that would be involved – in the traditional scientific method because you're dealing with individuals, unique individuals, and their unique circumstances. Right. So the next best thing seemed to be, okay, let's provide a forum where people can purchase these for a very reasonable price because there are folks out there who sell machines like this for thousands of dollars, and frankly, I don't think that there's any way you can justify uh, charging people thousands of dollars because – I mean, if you look at the material alone, I think a few hundred dollars is certainly reasonable. But the, the key is you then keep up with them and you track their experiences. You survey them. You get feedback from them. And then over time, build up a database where you try to figure out how this is working for them. And so um, – What's your database say about people that are using the wishing machine maybe in conjunction with these sigils? What are Anecdotally even, what are people saying? Well, when it comes to these sigils, I mean, I just developed this parasymatics technique about six weeks ago. So we're, I mean, we're really early in this. Uh, so I can't say exactly, I mean, so far, I mean, I have at least, I would say two dozen people who have put this on a wishing machine who have said, this has worked for me just like any other tuning method, but even quicker and more effectively. And of course, I've had my own experiences. But in general, what we find is that these machines, they, they only work within the natural laws. That's the number one. Um, so that means if you want to fly like Superman or you want to live forever, um, that's probably not going to happen. You need a bigger um, machine for that, I guess. <laughs> a much bigger be. machine. But how does it – it looks very interesting. There are a lot of dials on there. You, you plug this thing in, and what does it do, run an electrical current through it, or how does it work? Well, you know, it's interesting. The earliest models of these did not even require an electrical current. And what we find is that if you, if you don't have an electrical current, the machine will still work. But if you plug it into an electrical current, it seems to work much more quickly. And at first, I found that very 
frustrating because I, I used to like to think, well, this is a mind-powered technology, and uh, you know you can't even relate it to anything you'd plug into the wall and hit the on switch. But it turns out you can. And the more I thought about that, the more I realized, well, uh, look at the human brain. The brain is an electrical machine, uh, and so maybe if this device almost uh, acts as an extension of the brain, then when you add that extra amount of electricity, um, it might at least operate as a sort of carrier wave. Aha, uh-huh, that's what I was thinking, yes. A carrier yeah. wave. Okay, so for yeah. a, a carrier wave that amplifies the human intention. That's one way of – I know that's a very Newtonian way of looking at it, but I think that it, that is one part of it. I also think a part of this is probably quantum, that it has to do with the idea of entanglement, um, that your brain to begin with is naturally potentially connected to anything else in the world that you might want to alter or affect. Um, but the reality is that everybody else's brains are as well. Right. So what that means is, okay, if I want to, say, wish for the Aston Martin DB5, uh, okay, that's no problem. But if I want to wish for the Aston Martin DB5 that Sean Connery drove in the movie Goldfinger, uh-oh, now this is a much bigger challenge because there are lots of other people out there who, wishing machine or not, are focusing their intention on that same specific target. Right, right. And, and so it's a matter of realizing that your brain is connected to these points in the universe, that you can enhance this ability through these technologies that we're trying to understand, but you also have to consider that some things are going to be easier uh, than others, depending on who else is uh, trying to get that same thing. There are nine dials on, on the one on your website, joshuapwarren.com. What, is, what do those buttons or dials do? Well, the, there's an input plate there uh, where you represent in some form what you want. And then there's an output plate, which is used to tune uh, the device. And the tuning comes from adjusting what happens between the input plate and the output plate as whatever you're putting into that input plate passes through each one of these dials. Now, each dial basically acts like a potentiometer. So in other words, it's kind of like a volume dial on uh, a stereo or a radio. And so what you're doing is you're trying to reach a point of biofeedback, whereas you put your intention into the input plate, and then you use one hand to touch that output plate, you are adjusting that stream of energy as it runs through the device until finally you feel a sensation on the output plate that indicates that you have adjusted your biofield and you've tuned it to that specific thing. We call it a rate. So in other words, right now, you may have a lot of thoughts running through your mind, and which if you could hear all that, it would just sound like noise. Well, what we want is for that noise to become music. So we're taking all this chaos that you have in your mind right now because you're thinking about what you saw on the news, and you're thinking about what you're going to have for dinner, uh, and you're thinking about whether or not you're going to get your taxes paid on time. What You're taking all that noise, and you're cutting through it by using this uh, I think I believe it's a technology. I mean, even if it's just a very 
sophisticated, highly effective placebo effect, fine, as long as it works. But I think it's a technology, and we can get into that if we – I guess we're running out of time. But anyway, um, I think that what you do is you use this to refine the specific thing that you want, and then once you do this, you put the box away, and the box continues to sit there and project this for you so you then can – turn away and devote your attention to other things. Ah, interesting. All right. So with these two plates, as you, you mentioned earlier, creating this, what did you call it, a sympathetic vibration? Is that what you're... Uh, sim- yeah, sympathetic resonance. Resonance. I, think, yeah. I call this ASR, automated sympathetic resonance. That if you, you as, a, as a human being, a conscious, enlightened human being, can sit around and you can focus and dwell on what you want all the time, but maybe you had rather put this into a type of device which can cycle this for you. So it's like the difference between reading a map to get from point A to B, which requires a lot of constant attention, or just using your GPS receiver uh, where you you, you punch in your coordinates, you hit go, and you let it do the work. So uh, this is sort of the analogy that I use when I think about how that you can achieve something using this degree of effort or you can achieve it using that degree of effort. And the radionics machine makes it a lot easier for most people who understand how to use it. Well, you mentioned earlier the, uh, the, the experience you had when you first purchased it. You paid $300 for it, and that $300 you know, just sort of dropped out of the ether w- with a simple phone call. Give me some other examples of, of how the wishing machine has worked in your life. We just have a few minutes here. I'll give you my favorite little one. Uh, there's one really, really big one, but I'll give you my favorite little one. Um, I, I ha- got a, an email from a guy in Canada who bought one of these, and he said, I am a metal detector, and for 20 years, I've always wanted to find something made of gold with diamonds. And he said, I never have, but I got a machine, and it turns out I didn't get to go metal detecting, but it didn't matter because I'm walking down the sidewalk in town, and I look down, and I find, sure enough, this gold bracelet that had uh, diamonds. And so after I got his email, I thought, well, I'm going to try that out. So I set my machine. Well, I want to find something gold made with, with diamonds in it. My sister, Jessica, had never been to Puerto Rico, and she came down here to visit me and my wife, and so we decided to take her snorkeling. And on a Monday morning, we went out to this remote island we call Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Beautiful place. Uh, there's nobody else around. I sat down in the water on the the floor of the ocean with the sea up to my my, uh, neck, and my wife came over and sat down next to me, and my wife likes seashells, and so whenever she's around, I start feeling uh, through the sand to see if I can find the nice seashell. I reach down, and I pluck out of the sand a men's 14-karat gold (laughs) ring with nine diamonds in it. And it fit me perfectly on my ring finger, by the way. Wow. Um, there you that, go. That, that kind of stuff, I'm telling you, you this, I don't know how, how else you can explain it. It's, it's, it. it is proof that this is working that specifically. Joshua, this is why you are uh, on the cutting edge uh, of paranormal research. It's fascinating. I, we have to have you back on uh, again and again if you're game for that because um, I want to get more into these these sigils, and I'm wondering maybe if you're on the cusp of sort of under uh, discovering what is sort of the common denominator behind a lot of paranormal activity. 
And uh, it's fascinating. Whenever the supernatural and the and science sort of intersect, um, it's you know you get some remarkable insights. And uh, Joshua, always a pleasure. Thank you for uh, for coming on with us tonight. I enjoyed this. Anytime. Thank you so much, and I look forward to our next conversation. JoshuaPWarren.com. And, uh, well, that is it for us. My thanks uh, to Ian and Albert and Ryan, all of you for listening at home, and uh, great calls in the first hour. Back next week with a brand-new program and a brand-new format. Don't forget the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Hit the sub button. Say hello on Twitter, at Richard Serrett. S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T. In the meantime... Don't be afraid. There is nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I say in the dark, speak in the light, what you hear in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.